Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over 40 years of Star Wars history. I'm your host, Cameron Boozard Jamari, and today I'm joined by two very special guests for a special three direction super brain extravaganza. Hey, it's me. Uh, hey, all you cool cats and kittens. It's Keon <laughs> Boozard here. <laughs> and uh, I'm from the Frameforge uh, Frame YouTube channel and the Life Advice with Keon. It's also a podcast. It's also a podcast. And then we have... My name's Elijah. I am the host and creator of Victory or Death. These guys help me out on almost every single episode that I do. So uh, thank you for letting me be on this one instead. And the reason I have you guys in today is to actually help out another podcast, the No Redeeming Qualities podcast with their Star Wars special. But more importantly, it's almost May the 4th. And hopefully, when we drop this episode on May the 4th, when the Force is with you, you probably want to listen to some good podcast content. And that's why we've brought you here, to this place, with me and Kian and Elijah, to discuss 40... Has it been... No, it's almost 50 years of Star Wars creation yeah, and ideas yeah. and stuff. Uh, 2027 is going to be uh, 50 years. Yeah. Holy yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, this is actually, so this episode was a call to action of sorts from another podcast, as I poorly described, No Redeeming Qualities. They want to do a Star Wars special, and you, Elijah, were coming to me and you're telling me about how you want to do this really cool episode. I was like, why do we got to make a mini episode for them when we could just make a really good drawn out episode for us? Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you run us through what your idea was and some of what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah. So as storytelling has evolved over the years, we see a lot of uh, new and old writing tropes kind of come back and and be recycled and uh, new spins are put on them. And Star Wars is really no different at first glance. So you have nine total cinematic movies. They all focus on the uh, epic hero's journey. And Star Wars builds off that formula by introducing the everyman and Luke Skywalker. I wanted to kind of draw a distinction between the way that the cinematic movies have gone and how the TV shows, specifically the this final season of Clone Wars and the new show, The Mandalorian, have essentially kind of taken the epic hero's journey and gone for more of a character drama. Yeah, because like we said, almost 50 years of content spanning the original trilogy, the prequel trilogies, and then for those of you who don't know, two different The Clone Wars series, mm-hmm. and then all sorts of other crazy side content. A Star Wars story movies, yeah, all that Star stuff. Star Wars yeah. Rebels, and then, like you said, man, the sequel trilogy. And for anyone who hasn't seen The Mandalorian, we have plenty of content on that stuff, especially on the Frameforge channel. You yeah. guys did an amazing job Thank talking you. about just the cinematography and the storytelling, and mm-hmm. you guys dragged my butt on for a very, very bad episode. It was good. I really liked that episode. It was that rowdy. Was, yeah, that was part of our Frameforge podcast series. And that some people watch, not too many, but we love them. We love those (laughs) loyal few. But actually that, so that episode I thought was great because we talked a lot about the original trilogy and I don't think we got as much into it, but like you had some pretty good points about the hero story, Keon, having to do with how the original trilogy was itself the hero story across the movies, but also did a good job looking at the hero's journey in each movie. Yeah. So the thing that I love about this is that George Lucas is such a meme. I love him to death. (laughs) 
<laughs> he is legitimately just like everything he says. You can just pick a random uh, like video clip of him being interviewed, and they're all amazing. And uh, as the the people harness it, one in particular, one YouTube channel that's harnessed it a lot is called uh, Red Letter Media. I mean, so many people know about them. They're hilarious, and they have what are called the Plinkett reviews. And in the Plinkett reviews, they completely destroy George Lucas and they make him look like a charlatan when he's not. He's he's a very effective storyteller. But in that, they uh, there's one moment that I really love that they point out and that I think it's poignant to bring up that he, the two things, his two big meme moments when it comes to storytelling are he says there are circles within circles and he says that uh, it's like poetry, they rhyme. And the joke is that these were uh, moments that when they did the documentary series recording the prequel trilogy and how it was being made, they showed that he had like the Cliff's notes on the uh, on his wall and you could tell that he, for the heroic journey, so you could tell he was just pulling from that and like looking at it and the the reason why i bring up this circles within circles thing and quote unquote they rhyme is because the heroic journey can be seen as a circle dan Harmon does a really good job of breaking it down into eight parts instead of these 12 parts of the heroic journey and uh the hero goes out and then comes back so a circle uh as you could say as you can think of it and dan Harmon breaks it down into eight steps which are you the hero need they have a need they go out then they search and then they find what they need, they take it, return, and then change. And so the last step before coming back to you is change. They have grown and changed. And you can see this throughout the Star Wars series, but the reason why I bring up circles within circles is because each movie is also supposed to be a heroic journey, but also each trilogy is a bigger heroic journey. So it's a big circle of a trilogy with these three smaller circles in it. But the way that he broke it down is that the prequels and the original trilogy is one big, bigger circle of Anakin's life. So there are supposed to be like three different different tiers of circles that all there's all circles all the way down and the, and the reason why I bring that up and I think it's so interesting is because George Lucas with himself by doing that he in his head has exactly how he thinks this all should work out it might not do that or it might not do that as effectively but the reason I bring that up is that he is kind of this auteur personality and once we get to the new movies the sequel trilogy we see that there are circles they aren't there aren't circles in circles we have the individual some of uh, them are just lines <laughs> yeah some of them are just lines some of them are just arcs uh and i mean we've seen through every media outlet remarking on it that there wasn't an overarching plan no pun intended arcs that uh <laughs> all three of the movies were supposed to fold into one story so there was no one trilogy circle there were just these small circles and that's the big differentiator for me is that uh when you have the uh, this auteur that's making the prequels and he's making the uh, original trilogy, he knew where he wanted things to go. The sequel trilogy, each of them is their own heroic journey because that's kind of the template that Star Wars operates under. But you do see that they, over all of them, don't particularly have this roadmap and they don't have this big overarching circle. Yeah, so I think this is a good moment for me to say, first of all, in a very strange way, I can't imagine I actually have to say this, but spoilers because we're probably gonna get into some details but i can't i cannot for a moment believe that like a lot of the content we're gonna talk about right now most of the listeners if not most of the people on earth haven't seen already this is the one with spock yeah yeah okay cool and then he also gets in the ring and then he, he has the to ring. go to yeah and he puts it on and he says i am the senate <laughs> wait no you can't put the star wars joke i know into i'm the, sorry okay. i just uh, the first quote that came to mind <laughs> So this is like, because I want to talk about what Star Wars used to do as circles within circles, and then 
how that compares to new ones. Uh, we're getting into a lot of what you want to talk about, Elijah. Because, I mean, let's think about the original trilogy that George Lucas makes. It's first, the very first episode, I can't believe I have to call it that. It was a good movie. It's called Star Wars. I don't know why it became A New Hope. <laughs> but Luke goes, he wants to go to Tashi Station to pick up power converters. And he's aspirational at best about joining the Empire to be a pilot. By the end of it, he is an intergalactic terrorist. He has changed <laughs> across the movie. He took. He like took. He, yeah. he took he a lot. He went and found and took. Yes. <laughs> and then across the next three movies, you have the growth of Luke, not just as a like cocky kid becoming a mature, more space magician. Yeah, space magician. <laughs> but then the thing is, the entire time you don't realize you're actually watching this second story of his father. Like in the first movie, we're following Luke the whole time, but you get this very meaningful glimpse that like this guy had to fight the dude he used to always fight with to protect the galaxy. Now he literally has to strike him down. Mm -hmm. And then in the next movie, it turns out that guy is Luke's dad. Mm -hmm. And then in the next movie, that guy comes around to Luke's point of view and kills the president of the galaxy. (laughs) Now, We get three more movies about just that guy growing up as a slave, becoming infatuated with a person who is hungry for power, and then learning that the people he used to look up to are probably have some very questionable motives that push him to a dark path that we see play out over the sequels. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, Cameron, where was that movie? You saw it, but Misa Jar Jar Binks was also there, so you probably <laughs> didn't remember it that well. But it's this powerful arc. It's a powerful arc that we see play out six small times and one very big time. And the thing that would have been great if they could pull it off is we had at the end of the ninth movie, spoilers, 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 that uh, Palpatine comes back. And who else is in all nine movies? Palpatine is technically or throughout all nine movies he is present so it would have been interesting for the third leg of this uh this giant circle within circle within circle if the first three movies that circle is about Luke then technically all six movies are about Anakin and then envelop all of those with Palpatine's story and then bring that to a conclusive end uh in one way or another that could be satisfying but unfortunately that's not what happened that just kind of became the narrative later And here's exactly where Elijah's points come into play, because those first six movies and countless spinoff series were all under the direction of George Lucas. Like this one guy had one vision for one universe that he created, but Disney bought Star Wars and the last three movies and a lot of other content have been created under the guide of Disney and um, I forget. Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy. And... You can tell that it's not just that they look different as movies. They feel different. So the thing that's really interesting, I think, about the original trilogies in particular, trilogy, I am saying original trilogies now because the prequels kind of fit into the old guard in a really weird, gross way. Um, (laughs) But uh, they they did follow that circles within circles methodology. Uh, George Lucas wasn't trying to necessarily impart any real artistic knowledge or any sort of this really riveting life-altering story, but that's exactly what it did for people because he leaned on the everyman mixed with the epic hero's journey. The thing that's so appealing about the epic hero's journey is that you're watching someone who is powerful and self-possessed go on their quest 
And so that's why when done well, we really we really like get in tune with what's happening in the story. It might not be groundbreaking and it might not, you know, challenge the mode of storytelling. But what it is doing is giving us a blueprint to really uh, identify with and dig into. And that's why Luke's journey really works. And that's why people glopped on a Darth Vader, because he did have that pivotal moment of change. But it wasn't this big character piece. The beauty and simplicity of the epic hero's journey is that character goes to X place, does a thing, and something changes them. There's not this micro growth that we get to see as they go across the story. It just kind of happens. That's why you get time skips in between each of the movies. It gives time for Luke to grow off screen so that there's not a bunch of time being wasted on him growing. Excuse me, it's called a montage and Rocky perfected it, thank you. <laughs> it's pretty simple to do. They just, dude, could you imagine Ray having a badass montage? Oh. Dude, missed opportunity. Oh. Like, I could have an entire episode about how the montage ruined pop culture and also life. <laughs> take that back <laughs> no, right now. I will never take that <laughs> back. Sorry, Elijah. You no, it's great. No. They grow off but that's, screen. But that's exactly, that's exactly the point. Uh, the storytelling... Modern storytelling today is very obsessed with zooming in on the characters and getting the really relatable, soft human moments. And that's not what Star Wars is all about. And I think that's ultimately why people rejected Rey in a weird way. I know that you hear all of these different stories and all these different comments about people's journeys with the newest trilogy, but they didn't like the way that they use modern storytelling to zoom in and and dig into people's feelings and do the training montages like it ended up feeling very inconsequential the reason that there's a montage is because the journey during that montage is inconsequential uh so to spend time showing that rude <laughs> rocky is the exception um, losing this battle <laughs> Excuse me, we made a short film called Time Sheriff, and there was a beautiful montage in it. It shows his real growth about learning karate and disarming bombs. Don't worry, Kian. You'll get to plug your Time Sheriff stuff later. We'll okay. get there. We'll get there. Sorry, right go on. Now, go on Elijah. Sorry. Um, but, uh, that's the, but that's the thing, right? So in storytelling, montages are best dropped. For films, it's a different thing. But in terms of the actual narrative, when you're filling time, just zooming past people's character development, they don't, they don't care. They don't want that there in the movie. Um, likewise, the prequel trilogy feels so slow because George Lucas wanted to really build the scope and show Anakin's baby steps. Um, it makes Anakin more relatable when you kind of expand it out and you talk about it now, but during the movies, it felt really like labored and it's because he got away from the epic hero's journey. Uh, so that begs the question, why do these new TV shows work? Why does The Mandalorian and this final season of Clone Wars feel so good to watch? Because John Favreau, he good at making making <laughs> content. I have opinions about the pre-Ahsoka arc where we get to see her hanging out on a Coruscant and also doing other stuff. Again, I said spoilers, but he, yeah, that's the most recent episode blew my freaking mind. Yeah, of Clone Wars. Oh yes, it's rowdy. Don't don't you spoil it for I me will though. Not you can spoil it for the audience. I just need to cover my ears. <laughs> well, if I may, I think. I'm not going to give any spoilers. It's just, I think this new episode in this final arc for the Clone Wars kind of digs back into a little bit of that, that hero's journey. Everyone has finished their character development and now it's time for the things to happen. So much of what makes the best arcs in the Clone Wars so good is that it's iconic characters doing iconic things 
And you get some moments of character development and a little bit of shifts here and there, but it, that's not what it's about. However, The Mandalorian ends up looking a little bit different than that. Uh, you have a guy who's iconic, who's slowly being broken down and showing development through the breakdown of the iconic elements. And I think that's really compelling for us. And I think that's where John Favreau really has a mastery of storytelling. And I think he's intimately connected to the hero's journey, the everyman, and the like epic hero style of storytelling. And he's abstracting it and, you know, reverse engineering it and in a way that's really interesting to us. Yeah. And uh, to piggyback off that, I mean, like the Mandalorian is straight up like the the most uh, the thing I love about it is the deconstruction in the way that the, it, like John Favreau looked at the bones, like the the framework of Star Wars. What is Star Wars about? It is a space Western with samurai elements that is based off of Kurosawa and based off of all of the uh, spaghetti Western movies. And then how do we apply that to space? We put them in a Western environment. We put them in a uh, samurai helmet. We make them look really cool and have some sort of uh, creed that they do. Who has a creed? The Mandalorians do. So taking all of those elements that made up the original uh, movies and then applying them to a different part of the universe and especially the westerns we don't really follow our our point of view character isn't a gunslinger usually they are that becomes one of the other cool characters that joins so once we see that from their perspective and that character has to undergo a change it's very refreshing because we just have uh, a thing that we usually get in the heroic journey is the main character is a neutral mask so they don't really get too many cool lines the people around them do we are meant to be sitting in their position and they're kind of our arbiter we get to they're our avatar you put your face over theirs and you pretend like you're actually wielding a lightsaber i'm luke skywalker cool and you can pretend to be the other characters but you need a very neutral uh person that doesn't really have too many crazy things about them that's why ray a lot of people didn't like her because they thought that she might be a little bit overpowered or she was doing things that that they the viewer might not do because that's not what a neutral mask is and that's why i loved anakin when i was 10 and watching those movies because i'm like yeah people just don't get me and i'm too good for the jedi council oh, and i just need my cool oh, weird God. patron Please guy to give me all the power up. in the world and i put me in a metal armor it still hurts it's, to hear it's it. so real anyway but uh, but that whole thing like they, you need to actually have a buy into the neutral mask cool thing is you know what's a neutral mask? A helmet. And you know what else is a neutral mask? Like a cute little alien face. So you can imprint what you're feeling on that character by them not saying a word. The Mandalorian says very little, and we have a video about this on the Frameforge channel. Yeah, I was gonna say, your cool, your entire episode about the Kuleshev effect is so freaking good, because all you do is tell me, it, like I remember like for the while, longest time before that, I was like, why do I care so much about him? Yeah. Kind of like you also, I think in a way you also allude to why people latched onto Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. Like Boba Fett does, if you really pay attention to his on-screen stuff, Boba Fett does nothing. Yeah. And he is the coolest guy. He does nothing and he dies the lamest death. But I mean, who else do we love and who else did we want to see more of in the prequel trilogy? Darth Vader. Yeah. He just has a mask. Like he has a mask and he just does these ridiculous things. But you think he's so cool because he does have a style about him and he has this weight in this universe. Still my favorite character in all of fiction. And it's even with the prequels because I always am thinking of 
this character's perspective. And that's why, in my opinion, the Clone Wars works so well is because, well, I actually did want to see what that character would be like if we don't see him for, like Elijah elaborated on, you only have so much time in a movie and any time that a character actually does develop, you hinted it. Mm -hmm. Like maybe early on on the movie they had, they didn't like something. They didn't like a certain person. And then later on in the movie, they give him a little wink and a nod. He's like, oh, cool. Now they like that person. Thank God we saw that in three hours. Well, when you have the Clone Wars show that's been going on for seven seasons, you have The Mandalorian, which had eight episodes that were about half an hour. You have far more time to elaborate on that character's development and make them feel like a fully fleshed out thing instead of a neutral mask. But I think you both are actually, and I won't bring it back to that storytelling aspect, you're both actually, in a way, hinting at something that I feel like Disney like did well in one place and messed up in another. And you can also see this when George Lucas was making it. The original trilogy felt compelling to watch because you didn't know what was going to happen. Is Luke going to sink this shot? Is Darth Vader going to off our boy? Are they going to be able to sink the shot again, even <laughs> though the shields are quite operational? <laughs> and so you're watching this happen and you don't know what's going to happen. But the prequel trilogy, you go back and you're like, where we know where this kid ends up. Mm -hmm. In three movies, if this is going to be a trilogy, he's going to end up someplace where he becomes Darth Vader. I legit didn't expect him to just suddenly become Darth Vader and then spend 20 years inside that suit. Yeah. But that's exactly the, the problem because you've, you've taken a character that we know and is just, he has that aura about him because he's in the helmet the whole time and at the very end is the only time we see what he's really about. And you're trying to stuff his backstory into these three movies that they have the potential to show you a lot about the character, but then you're also trying to flush out this world. And trade negotiations, they're very important, Cameron. I like I realize younger me probably thought that was dumb, but for some reason older me loves that that is part Dude, of the, the prequels. Civics yeah. in that is so much fun. <laughs> it's so real right now. <laughs> okay, I hate but how then, much I like it. <laughs> but then think about what they do in the sequels, and then think about what they do in The Mandalorian and The Clone Wars. The Mandalorian and the Clone Wars acknowledges that we have this rich, beautiful universe with all these crazy characters. Mm -hmm. So instead of spending all of our time trying to figure out how to turn Anakin from a scrappy little slave boy into a scrappy war criminal, <laughs> oof! how do we tell the story of these other people who had to mm -hmm. exist in this same world? How do we tell the story of clones who are literally manufactured and like i think one of the best episodes is just when they're running around coruscant trying to figure out who this terrorist was no they're trying to figure out about the biochips just because there's a scene in one of the episodes where they go to a clone bar yeah. it's a bar full of clones because they are there's so many of them they're their own class of citizen mm. and then likewise for the mandalorian we always hear like oh boba fett's a mandalorian or he's supposed to have been we all love him but what is it actually like for these people? Because the only time we've seen them before was this one guy who's a renegade bounty hunter. And then the Clone Wars where we get to see like glimpses of Mandalore. And there's like, it's so weird how you see an entire planet that I want to know more about the backstory of that planet than what actually happened on it <laughs> because some stuff went down. Then you have the sequel trilogy, which is we're going to continue talking about the Skywalker family. All right, well, everyone has their own opinions of who Luke and Han Solo and Leia and all the people from the original trilogy are. So if they don't go where people who already wrote books about what's supposed to have happened at this point go, yeah. then they feel let down. Just like you can feel let down because how, why did Darth Vader go from this little kid in one movie to having to be forced to be in this other place in another movie to cause the events of the original trilogy? Yeah. And, and another way that people uh, bought in to the very first movie, A New Hope, is that... 
you, like Elijah said, it's hard to do character development in an hour and a half, two hours, three hours. It's really hard to flesh out a full character. So what they end up doing is making intertextual uh, symbols. So for people that don't know what intertextuality is, that's when you're relying on another source material to fill in the gaps of something that you're doing. So let's say you're watching the trailer for the Beauty and the Beast uh, the remake and you hear Be Our Guest. Cool. You in your head are remembering Be Our Guest from the first movie. The new movie hasn't come out yet. You don't know what it's going to be like, but you can tell because of the old movie and it's relying on your your rem, uh, your member berries about it. <laughs> so the way that they did that in the first movie is that they had characters that looked like other characters from other things that we've seen. You have Leia, who's this princess, but also kind of a spunky, cool character. You have Darth Vader that looks like the samurai warlord. You have Luke, who looks like this farmhand boy who's just kind of making his way. You have Han, who looks like a gunslinger in the Old West. You have Chewie, who's kind of this big, lumbering, oafish kind of character. And you have uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's the old sage slash samurai legitimately like each of these characters is relying on your universal knowledge of characters that have come before and that have existed in movie history and they're pulling on that to make it so that you don't need this character development throughout the entire movie you're ready to go you know what each one of them are about from the first probably 20 seconds they've been on screen and then yeah and then when you look at the sequels you suddenly get these characters that you don't necessarily know what they're about but you're ex like i was really excited to see finn and poe and ray each kind of get their own set up well, and too bad like, yeah <laughs> okay sorry i'm salty man <laughs> but that's the thing is like this there's like this double-edged sword here now because you could have opportunities to flush out the characters more with supplemental content like no one really liked anakin ever and then episode three happens and we're all like you should have thrown shown us episode three and pretended the first two didn't happen but yeah. then you get the whole clone wars where we get to see anakin and obi-wan actually become friends and hang out and deal with problems and respect each other and come to terms with each other and then you go watch episode three and you're like oh the feels ah no yeah. my boy you were the chosen one but i you know honestly when you guys were talking about all that i was thinking about like okay well what would happen if if we started off with episode three and did a direct progression to anakin becoming darth vader and then i realized that that totally wouldn't work for george lucas's mode of storytelling even if you think that it's weird that darth vader is in that suit for like 20 years there's something so naturally poetic about the prequel trilogy being this really heavy slog and then having that like brutal graceful segue into the original trilogy so like darth vader just becomes darth vader almost out of the blue yeah. damaged beyond repair so much so that he has to become a completely different creature in order to survive and it's all just so blunt force trauma and it's graceful it's weird like it shouldn't work but in this like retrospect of understanding literature and like literary concepts, it actually has this bizarre beauty to it. And I think that's what makes me, as I come back to the prequel trilogy, actually appreciate it more. George Lucas was trying something. It didn't necessarily work until the final moments, but I think it was ultimately worth it. And then we get all of what we were wanting to see from these characters in these TV shows. We get the exploration of the universe and the Mandalorian, like the Old West stuff that we honestly missed a lot with the prequel trilogy. These final moments, like literally an hour before episode three starts with this final arc of the Clone Wars, you know, some final dialogues and final looks that characters get to give each other before everything just goes haywire. It makes Star Wars this really beautiful thing. And actually playing into that, playing into the breadth and scope of the world, I think one last thing I'd like to talk about before we go 
actually has to do with something very technical. The computer-generated images, the CGI used across all three trilogies. Oh, so we're going to talk for another three hours? We're going to talk go for, for I was literally say, this, the rest of your life. This will probably this. turn into its own separate episode at some point with probably Kian and I, because Kian knows way too much about this particular topic. I will destroy you with my knowledge <laughs> yeah. of, of all yeah. of this. Yeah, well, I'm, not, I'm not hesitating to accept that at all. But what you'll notice across the movies is like when George Lucas pioneered mm-hmm. some of the most advanced CGI that has ever been created, especially for its time. It was very expensive. So every single time you see it, it is a meaningful moment. It has to emphasize something. It is the trench run. Those are practical effects. That is not CGI. I will correct you right now. I need to, I need to make the distinction very clear. And you and let me. I hopefully I can finish cut your thoughts. <laughs> no, it's good. But let me finish your thought on that. That like the the original trilogy spent so much time and effort on these visuals to look so perfect and work so well that they still hold up today. If you go rewatch episode four, it feels still perfectly great. And as they progress, you see more of these amazing visuals, so much so that that becomes what George Lucas loves about the series in ways. And he's like, cool, well, these moments are impactful. If I add more of them, they'll have more impact. But unfortunately, scarcity actually creates the impact. So as we see, episode four, really beautiful moments at the end with the uh, with the trench run and all that stuff. But then as we go to episode five, we see Cloud City. And we see everything that basically the entire movie is a chase for the uh, Millennium Falcon, which is more interesting stuff. But then on episode six, you have a little bit of that. But then you have the Ewoks, which are getting away from that. But then the entire prequel ser- uh, trilogy <laughs> is about CGI and about putting it and making this world realized unfortunately adding too much and you just feel like this sugar rush because there's too much sweet on the screen and a lot of it's ridiculous and then as we move even farther it's like well you know what screw it let's throw out all of that let's just make a cg show and like actually <laughs> do it justice which they did in the clone wars but then as soon as you move even farther then we are seeing that the sequel trilogy has so much CGI in it that look really, really good, but are still doing the same thing the prequels did. They don't have as much weight as the prequels, as the original trilogy does. The Mandalorian has such good practical effects, so much so that the only effects that you see that are CGI are very subtle, or you completely don't realize that they're, they're there because all of the backgrounds were actually projected uh, on this crazy, like, ovular set, like, circle set that just had big projectors that were motion tracked to the camera. So it looks like they're on this giant landscape, and it's seamless because it's meant to be very easy for them to look like they're on this planet. It's meant to look as close to practical as possible, no green screens. Yeah, and even, like, we saw, like, you had Yoda as a puppet, and then you had Yoda becoming all CGI, mm-hmm. and we toned it back. Like, even in the sequels, Yoda's a puppet again. But... They, they took those lessons when they're making Baby Yoda, and Baby Yoda is a puppet. Every time you see Baby Yoda hanging out, he's a puppet. But when they had to those shots where like he's walking or he's a little more involved in the environment, you can't just have a puppeteer under him. Those are the shots where they made a CGI Baby Yoda who looks photoreal, but they made him act like a puppet. Yeah. So the continuity of motion, the continuity of the character persists and you believe that much more it's that much easier to anchor your view in that reality and john favreau is a genius voice of a generation and i will die on that cross i'm violently jealous of his (laughs) incredible talents so jealous
All right. I think that's a solid note to go out on. Thank you both so much for A, Elijah, this great idea, and also the great conversation. Elijah, where, where can we find all your excellent content? Yeah. Um, so you can find uh, my blog, which I don't upkeep very well, but I occasionally review video games at uh, ElijahMcDougall.com. Uh, you can check out uh, a YouTube channel that I occasionally help out with. It's a little slow right now. It's called The Mildly Morose Man. That's M-O-R-O-S-E. And you can check out my podcast, Victory or Death, with an exclamation point. And you can find me on Twitter at CopycatCaster if you just want to jaw about some stuff. Your podcast, and I, I guess I also really do enjoy the Mildly Morose Mountain. It's an unexpected is what I'll go with. That's, that's it's like an unexpected journey, like the <laughs> yes, like Lord of the, the Rings. Because Lord of the Rings is the heroic journey. Because we were talking about the heroic journey and the monomyth, and the oh, we did it. I think Kian died. <laughs> Kian, you want to tell us where we can find you and all your work? Yeah, you can find me and all of the basically the entire thesis, my TED talk that I gave here on the Frameforge channel under our Star Wars episodes. We have one about the Mandalorian, about the rise of Skywalker, another one about Baby Yoda. They're super great, as well as I have my own personal podcast called Life Advice with Kion. And uh, yeah, we would we would love to have you on either of those. Seriously, Frameforge YouTube channel. It is some of the most amazing content you will get weekly. Yeah. It, it's... Coming up on the 3K subs. Yes. I want it so bad. <laughs> And you can find all your swing the small stuff needs at Small Stuff Show on social media or our website, smallstuff.show. And this this is my most important request of you. On this May the 4th, on this Star Wars Day, or maybe you're listening to on Revenge of the 5th. Who knows? I just want you to take a moment and be like, yeah, I like Star Wars. But I also have friends who like Star Wars. I bet you they would love to hear these rowdy boys talk about some cool Star Wars stuff. Why don't you go share this episode with them? Just head on over there. To their house, break in, put on six some feet away, six feet away, quarantine times, <laughs> break in, give them this episode or share it over social media so you don't actually have to ever interact oh, with them Oh yeah, in they person. could totally do that instead of breaking and entering into a household. <laughs> I do not help, I'm not held liable for anything that happens as a result of this podcast. Till then, I've been your host, Cameron Buzard Jamari, reminding you, from movies to media to Star Wars and the world around us. It's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. You should smallstuff.go to your website. <laughs> <laughs>